Have you ever met a recent college grad and immediately knew they'd be a rock star? That's how I felt with Allie Hilgren Warner. She was an intern at my husband's company, and I knew that her collegiate volleyball career, zest for life, and collaborative can-do attitude would lead her into the C-suite quickly. I think that takes a humble leader to be able to put, frankly, your ego on the line and, and have other people maybe have better ideas than you. Um, and be open to that and then letting people run with those ideas. You know, your job is really important, but who you do your job with is even more important. Welcome to the Mentor DNA Podcast. I'm your host, Mish Pierce, and I welcome you to drop in as I talk to my C-suite friends about what makes them tick, lessons they've learned through their successes and failures, and memories we share through the decades spent growing up in our careers. Mentor DNA is your backstage pass to learning from these inspirational leaders. Thanks for tuning in. I am super stoked to have you. I just remember when you started and I was like, man, this woman's got some grit and she's just going to be amazing. And now look, you're CMO. It's amazing. Thanks, Mish. You're, you're sweet. It's it's fun to take a look back. Um, 10 years, is it feels like 10 days, but my role at Beacon Point has evolved so much. I feel like I've been in many different positions, even though I've technically been in the same place at the same company, but it's, it's been a ride. It's definitely been a ride. And yeah. it's been great. <laughs> I'm from a family of four. I have a younger sister, so I'm the classic firstborn. <laughs> I went to USC undergrad at business school. Um, and then I was also at USC for my master's in communication management. Played volleyball, uh, Division One, co-captain of the USC volleyball team. Uh, had a quick stint with the USA national team as well uh, while in while in school, and then I actually ended up working very quickly for Gallo Winery. Phenomenal com- company, wonderful people, but I learned very quickly that that wasn't necessarily the place for me, the environment for me. And the stars kind of aligned, and I was actually awarded a postgraduate scholarship from the NCAA to go back to grad school. And I had already applied and deferred my acceptance um, to take the Gallo job. And, and I realized that not being in a team environment, being isolated in my car in a sales role uh, and being around people in a grocery store selling wine, wasn't interacting with people. Even though I was around people, I wasn't interacting. And I, mm. I had an aha moment there that that wasn't really the best fit. And, and Gallo was phenomenal. They said, you've got to take this scholarship, you know, stayed till they found a replacement wasn't going to leave them hanging and and then when I was in grad school I was commuting to USC at night from from Orange County Newport Beach and and frankly everybody else was working so I was so bored during the day you couldn't work out eight hours a day (laughs) and I got an internship with Beacon Point and I laugh Shannon would laugh too my my bosses you know uh, she was frankly too busy to even interview me. So I just came in on the first day and started cold calling on the institutional side. I had no idea what I was saying or doing. 10, 10 years later, here we are at CMO. So there's a wow. lot of intricacies along the way there. But I have an appreciation for Beacon Point and the culture and the structure of our company and the people. Um, a, a big part to Gallo, they had wonderful people and I appreciate that. But the environment in which I was looking for Beacon Point really had and and the grass is not always greener and I so appreciate and count my blessings and I'm not jaded on what we have at our company. (laughs) So maybe you can go a little deeper for our listeners who are unfamiliar. What is Beacon Point? What is the culture? What is it that you love so much about the company? Yeah, sure. It's uh, a lot of athletes. That is obviously a very comfortable place for me. It's a very competitive environment, but it's a very inclusive environment. And it's a very team-oriented environment. And everybody wants you to succeed, um, even if they want to succeed too, and they may be doing the same thing as you, and they want to beat you in their stats or whatever the case may be. It's a very open environment too, I think, including myself. I love when new team members join our team because I want to be challenged. I want to see things from fresh eyes. I have to commend... Graham Pierce and Shannon Musi and Matt Cooper, all of them who really are the backbone and the original leaders of, of the firm have always embraced that. And um, I think that takes a humble leader to be able to put, frankly, your ego on the line and, and have other people maybe have better ideas than you um, and be open to that and then letting people run with those ideas. 
So, and, and that still remains today. We started when I started making point, and I'll explain what the company is. Uh, we had one office and 22 people, and now we have 21 offices and about almost 240 employees. So you think about how that entrepreneurial culture to stay intact, you really have to have the, that core personality for that. And I think so much of that is rooted in, in sports and teamwork. Um, so we can, again, talk through that a little bit more. But Beacon Point is a registered investment advisory firm. Uh, we work with private clients, individuals and families, institutional clientele and retirement plans, 401ks, 403bs. You'll laugh, but you couldn't have paid me a million bucks to think I'd work in the financial services industry <laughs> either. <laughs> I would have lost that bet. But to see us helping people and organizations in real life is really fulfilling. And, you know, on the secondary side, you learn so much about your own personal financial world um, through helping others. And it's very gratifying. And there's a company with growth and there's growth for people. That's also, I just got lucky you know, the timing of Beacon Point and, and where the company was going. And when I came in and I was pretty stubborn when, when my internship was up, quote unquote, when I was graduating from law school, I said, Shannon, find a role for me because I'm not leaving. <laughs> Sorry, I'm at graduate school. I did not go to law school. I apologize. And so the business is interesting in that you're one of the last big private firms out there. Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. And you're led by Shannon Yusey, who is a female CEO, mm-hmm. which is very unique in that industry. And like you said, a lot of athletes. What percentage of the top executives would you say are former athletes or even current athletes? Oh my gosh. Uh, the corporate leadership team, I'm just thinking in general, I think I could list probably 30 or 40 people of our 200 and or so that have been in some sort of division one or professional athletic endeavor of our corporate leadership team, I'd say at least, I'm thinking at the professional level, everybody's played sports at some point. Um, But I would say at the collegiate or professional level, probably about 40%, which is a pretty high percentage in terms of, of, of that group, but it's diverse in the sense of it's women and men, all different types of sports. Although I have to say there's quite a few volleyball players. I'm very proud of that. (laughs) You know, it's, it's more about the, the team dynamics that are facilitated through that and handling pressure situations. I mean, I think of when COVID hit, I was so impressed with Shannon and her just, it just turned on for her, you know, what we were going to do, our emergency plans our you know, how we're going to maintain our client service. What about protecting our team? You know, everybody's health. It just, it's game time, you know, and that's just kind of built into you after so much repetition. I think of that book, you know, outliers, after you do something for 10,000 hours, it's part of who you are. You actually truly are an expert in that and it plays a role in a lot of different areas. And I have some funny stories of that throughout my career too. (laughs) Yeah, well, hopefully we can dive into some of those later. You have a funny memory of us. I know you socially. I don't know you professionally necessarily, but you do work with my husband. So I feel like I've seen you literally grow up in your career. I remember when you were an intern, but you have done so much from my perspective. You've written a book. You run a really interesting podcast for the business. You are making sure that all of the executives within the company are getting on CNBC, MSNBC, Barron's, whatever it is, the Wall Street Journal. You are really the brains behind the PR and the marketing. But on the other side of that, you also had this most amazing wedding. But (laughs) that was one of my favorite memories of us is just being at your wedding and dancing. What, how many piece band was it? I mean, it's like, it's Oprah's band, right? Weren't they insane? They were so good. They They were were so so good. How they live mixed different songs and they're, we had just the best party. That was the memory I was going to share too, actually. It was it was a pretty wild experience to have my work family come to my, my home, you know, be, having the wedding at my parents' home and seeing that side of me and where I grew up and, and having those two worlds really collide. I mean, I feel like we're all a family anyways, and there's probably a lot of things that, you know, I know about you and your kiddos that Graham shares with me and, you know, and vice versa, but that band was, that was fun. Yes. And uh, I, I, I just love seeing you and Graham and, my work family in a social environment because it's funny, you know, we spend so many hours together every week and I want to still hang out with everybody on the weekend, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that's 
one of my things too, is I, I tell younger team members that, you know, your job is really important, but who you do your job with is even more important. And I'd love to see you guys at the golf club on the weekend, you know, and, and play around a golf or see at the beach and have a barbecue and hit up some sand volleyball or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I would concur that that was definitely a highlight memory. We've had some fun Christmas parties. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. But, Beacon uh, Point uh, is really, it's a really special place. It is like family. It definitely is. It's a really special place. You guys are a phenomenal team and as being an outsider looking in, it is definitely unique. Yeah. I, I appreciate that you say that Mish, because I've tried to practice just throughout my mental discipline as my young adult, you know, life continued to, to grow, of uh, really being grateful and being appreciative and trying to do sometimes the opposite of the millennial vibes of there's always something more, there's always something better. There's always, you know, and, and really appreciating when you hear a friend struggling at work because they got passed up on opportunity for one reason or another, or, you know, they have a doctor's appointment and they can't go because their boss won't let them take off an hour. You know, I mean, that's, that little stuff makes, it's a big difference, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of your mental health, your physical health, your, mm -hmm. you're wanting to get up every day to go to the office and go to, go to work, or maybe it's not go to the office anymore, but just get up and do your work. <laughs> Right, Those things right. have nothing to do with work play a big part in your career and your job. Absolutely. Is there anything that you do every single day? Otherwise you feel like the day is not off to the right start. Yeah, that's a great question. Way back when I used to set out my clothes every night before, because I'm so <laughs> not a morning person that I could just unconsciously like roll into my outfit <laughs> and look good for the day since I thought about it the night before. I don't do that as consistently as um, I used to, but I, I still think about that every night. I know the Zoom situation is a little different, but I do that. And then for me, a clean home is a clean, disciplined mind. So I make my bed and I make sure that my kitchen and family room living space is as clean or organized as it can be, or things are in place because then my mind is cleared for my day ahead. Doesn't necessarily mean it's not cluttered. It's just everything has a home. I always think of, gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the gentleman who was a Navy SEAL that had his, you know, you make your bed, you've make succeeded at one thing today. And through my wonderful parents and the way I was raised and also sports, discipline and mental discipline has played a role. And frankly, achievement has played a role. I, I kind of go about the day, like, uh, what am I going to achieve today? What am I going to succeed at? And if you don't succeed, what do you learn from it? You know, and obviously you have to soften those edges a little bit, depending on where you're at, but for work, that's in, in my day, that's where I start. Yeah, that's fantastic. I actually just interviewed a Navy fighter pilot ah. and I know that your family actually has a lot of deep ties into the Navy family. So yeah, yep. I, yeah. yeah. we, we have a growing up in San Diego, the Navy has a near and dear place to our, our hearts and, um, those men and women sacrifice so much for us that uh, there's not enough that we can do for them, frankly. Yeah. My, one of my best girlfriends, her husband just got back from a, an 11 month deployment wow. during COVID, which was an interesting experience. Oh my gosh. 11. That's typically yeah. they're like eight. It I was mean, supposed that's... to be. <laughs> wow. They turned around a couple of times to go back. So uh, yes. And my family, the Patriots initiative are a nonprofit organization. Um, Again, you, this will give you a little insight into my childhood and my parents. It's my, my, it was my dad's creation and we have two components. We basically vet nonprofit organizations, almost like we would for our managers, our money managers for Beacon Point. We vet third party nonprofit organizations that serve the military, basically as if we were donors and we have a, a proprietary scoring method to make sure that the value of your donated dollar is going to the highest, best use. And then the second part is um, mentorship, specifically in the area of education and entering the private sector for active duty folks, becoming veterans and, and retiring. And how do you make that transition? Because they're like sports, you know, the military creates such an incredible framework, but, you know, changing that and making that work can, can be a, a tough process. So we're, we're here to help. 
Well, that is fantastic work that you guys do. Thank you so much. I'm always moved and inspired when I hear about the work that your your family does for the Navy. So thank Thanks. you. Well, I know it's close to you and Grand too, and, and uh, a lot of us. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, has there been a distinctive inflection point in your career? Yeah, and this is going to sound silly. Uh, this is going to make me actually sound sort of old. I remember, and Matt Cooper would laugh at this, when I was an intern, I was asked to start working on a project like over the weekend or something. And I was doing the whole millennial thing, work-life balance. I am at work Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday are my time, you know? And, and I remember having a conversation with Matt and I think it was Graham too, you're going to laugh, that if I was going to be a player at Beacon Point, I need to have my email on my phone and, and be part of this team. And over the weekend, I thought about it and I said, okay, I'm going to do this <laughs> because in my mind, I had this division of work and life to create this balance. And I, I'll, I'll full disclosure, I, I'll check my email all the time. I'm basically addicted to it, but you know, we, we have a balance <laughs> and I don't go to work on the weekend unless there's something very pressing and important, but it was just an aha moment for me that he said, if you want to be a player here, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to be all in. And, um, as silly and as little as that was to add email to my fancy iPhone, you know, and, and Blackberry or whatever it was at the time, uh, it was a big deal. It was kind of that moment where they said, okay, she's game to play, you know? And uh, it was that little sacrifice, but that, that metaphor was a lot bigger than just the little email edition. So um, yeah, I remember that very pivotally in, in terms of my approach to working with Graham and Matt and everybody at Beacon Point. And it's not that they are sending emails throughout the weekend oh, and it's God, not no. that they're expecting <laughs> that. However, I think it just shows, you know, a young person, how dedicated are you to yourself, right. to your career, to being able to answer, I, you know, answer an important thing if it's important and, and you can decide, yeah. you know what, that can wait until Monday. I worked Absolutely. with a person once who was on the, on the younger side, I would say early twenties. And this was just a couple of years ago. And there was something really pressing and we could not reach that person. It was like the phone was off, no email, nothing. And it really put us into a bind. We really needed that person. And from that point on, the senior management team was like, okay, we know we can't really rely on that person. That's not a strong team member. And it wasn't, again, like I said, it wasn't like we were always working around the clock, but in times right. when you really are needed, that's yeah. important. Absolutely. And I think about that with my colleagues and um, who work for me and there is a trust factor there and I absolutely respect their boundaries because I want, I am the first to say work life integration. And I want you to have healthy breaks. When you go on vacation, I will not be bothering you, you know, but if there's something that comes up, we need to be able to work together and, and having that trust. And I think vice versa, but if you ask that of somebody, you need to do it yourself. And the leadership team was doing that and continues to do that. So it wasn't like they were asking me to do something that they weren't already leading by example, but you're totally right. It, it's metaphorical for that trust and the buy-in, you know, it's kind of like that, again, that team sacri I'm here, a sacrifice. I'm here for the greater good, not just my own self-indulgency, you know? It was important. And the irony was that it actually gave me more relief and because I could see what was going on or coming through. And again, they weren't expecting and vice versa. If I send something on a Saturday, I'm not expecting a response. It's just, oh, we'll tackle that on Monday kind of thing. But I knew it was coming down the pipeline. So I wasn't flying blind when I'd go into the office on Monday or coming back from vacation or whatever. It actually was a huge benefit. <laughs> so yeah, silly, but pivotal. Interesting. So you have probably spent a lot of time in a variety of different meetings, pitch meetings for trying to get your executives on, you know, on TV, et cetera. What is the craziest thing you've ever experienced either in a meeting, in a negotiation, you know, maybe even outside of work? I've been very blessed to have the majority of my presentations go very well. I've had a lot of practice through my undergrad, just being the business school, you're doing presentations left and right. PowerPoint is probably my best technological friend. Uh, you know, so presentations are something that I thrive in. I did find myself years ago in a very uncomfortable exposed situation where I was standing in a room of 30, you know, folks and I was taking some heat for something that I didn't really have full control over. 
but it was one of those things that you just had to own. And it was, I mean, I got the splotchy neck, like it was awful, you know, like it was just, (laughs) and I was fuming because inside, because, you know, my hands were somewhat tied. I can only do so much at the time or, you know, whatever the situation may have been. And, but I had to just sit there and take it. And it was frankly awful, but you know, I, it took me a few days to kind of come around from that. And I learned that as awful as that experience and frankly embarrassing and just all the bad descriptions you could ever imagine. It was kind of a good thing because I grew about an inch of extra thick skin and the sports automatically came into play where, you know, if you're getting yelled at by a coach or you're something happens that you've got to own, even if you didn't necessarily, you know, create that situation, how do you flip that? How do you make that how do you prove them wrong? You know, so I almost look at that as like a challenge to say, okay, that's how you feel. Or that's how you think, well, watch how this is going to change. <laughs> and it almost kind of fed the fire. Once I got over being angry, not everything goes well. And I think that, gosh, especially today, if all the, everything that we've all been through and that we see in the world, coping mechanisms and coping strategies are so critical to your success. And I say that frankly, also more so for women than for men in the sense of you got to keep your cool because otherwise they think of you as emotional or whatever. I'm as tomboy as they come when it comes interacting with men and women, but uh, you can ask my husband, he would, he would laugh at that statement, but you got to cope. You got to be able to sweat it out in an uncomfortable situation and rise above it in a graceful manner that people can respect you for. Um, Cause if you don't, and you have this tantrum or you go a wall, like you, you just lose all your credibility. So not that that's a really fun story, but the world's not, you know, nothing's perfect, you know? And I wish I could say I've had a very wonderful evolution. Um, and, and, you know, you say, what's your biggest failure? I have to think hard to think about a failure because it's been a really great ride. And every failure I look at almost as a mini success, if you can take it and run with it, but it's important to talk about those ugly things that happen that you really have to overcome because you got to work with people on a recurring basis and it doesn't just, you don't just disappear. Right. (laughs) You know? Right. So what has been, you say a mini success, what has been a failure that you've experienced and what did you learn from it? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a perfectionist and that is an impossible thing to achieve. As we all know, I remember this was again, years ago, but I accidentally sent an email communication to a wrong set of contacts and it happened to be the competitor's contacts that we were trying to communicate. And I, Oh, I for sure cried. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I felt more because I felt so awful. And this is where I learned from my leaders and my mentors and Shannon and Graham and Matt. Cause I, you know, I went to them, I said, I screwed up big time, you know, and Oh gosh, you know, what did I just do? And and they kept their cool and they, and because of my track record and the effort that they know I put in, I wasn't intentionally trying to mess something up. They said, it's not a big deal. You're fine. It's good. We can resurrect this. It's not, you know, and they, they made me feel better about it. Obviously it was a, it was an oops or a flop, <laughs> but you know, I still felt terrible. Um, Cause just my own personal pride and just I, my level of, you know, I want to do everything right. And and to its fullest. So that was really, I lost sleep on that for a while. Um, it really ended up not being a big deal. It happens all the time. People send emails, but in my world, it was such a big deal. And I learned from that. Now I triple check every contact list <laughs> four or five times over. I have my colleagues do the same and we review them every single time we do an email distribution. I know that sounds crazy, but it's better to, to check twice, measure twice and cut once kind of thing. That's right. Uh, yeah. Or the story um, of like replying all accidentally. Oh, I mean, I yep. think, I think we've all had that situation and you, you, and, and the, the Microsoft never, the rescind never works. Like why oh, do no, they even no, have no. that feature? Why do they even have that feature? It never works. I will say I use Google mail now and they have an undo feature and it, it's like you have five seconds or something to undo and, or unsend. And that does work. And that has saved me a bunch of time. <laughs> Yeah, you really have to, we live in a world where you have to be PR conscious, right? Your own brand, your own communications, your own everything like that matters. Now we have Zoom chat boxes and 
all of that fun stuff too and sharing screens you better make sure you share the right oh screen gosh that's <laughs> terrible yeah make sure your screen looks clean yes yes oh my gosh is there anything that's yeah. really bold that you've ever said to one of your bosses or colleagues something that was like whoa i can't believe i said that i've said a couple times respectfully i think you're wrong <laughs> but i always have a reason as to why and I say it respectfully, I truly believe this because I'm also on the receiving end of this. If there's a problem or there's something that you see that can be done better, okay, great, but pose the solution. Pose how we can do this better. Don't just say that it's, those words are hard to hear when, you, when you're, well, hierarchically above somebody. But again, that speaks to, to the folks that are my superiors that I have deep respect for, that they can hear that and say, okay, so how am I wrong? Tell me what we can do better or what are you thinking here? And uh, we're a lot better for it. And on the flip side, I'm happy to take that too. If someone can prove why it can be done better or again, that's a company culture thing. You can't do that in every place. I mean, that's, that's grounds for being fired in some companies. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, you, have to, um, you have to know your, yeah. you have to know your environment. That's really, really insightful, do. really and important. I don't use that often, you know, there's, you pick your battles, you know, in the sense of, uh, regardless of it's at work or in life or whatever, you know, you really look at the big picture and say, where can there be a dramatic impact? And is this the place to try and make that impact? Or, you know, and, and, I'll, and I've learned too, that my way is not always the right way. And I did, that took some time to learn too, you know, being so successful in, in different sports and different arenas, not always your answer is the best answer. So, if you're going to dish it, you got to take it too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's a good one. Really important lesson. Is there a leadership miss you see regularly? Yeah, I, I think our, our group does such a good job of the flexibility thing. And I think COVID has really forced companies to get on board with this, but I was thinking about this phrase a little bit earlier, you know, people use the phrase work-life balance and I don't know if there's a balance. It's like the word perfection it's more like work-life integration. And I think that comes again from all of our leaders, Shannon specifically being a mom of four, running a multi-billion dollar RIA, but all you know of our department heads, of all of our eight departments, I think six of them are women who have kiddos and spouses and you, you, there's no way to have balance, but you integrate to make everything work. And I think that, like I mentioned before, you know, you have a doctor's appointment, okay, go. Or someone at the office, whether it's a guy or a gal has to go coach soccer practice or little league, go do that, you know, make it work. You know, as long as you get your job done and where the company's thriving and you're thriving, I more power to you. People are going to stay longer. They're going to be happier. And I think there's still some companies missing that. Um, although I think this COVID environment, that might be a silver lining. I think communication is a really another thing that um, as we grow so fast, this is something that we're constantly trying to stay on top of. And this is why my graduate program, um, I, I specifically studied corporate and structural branding as well as uh, just general communication. And I think that it's so critical. Communication is in everything. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I mean, Nish, you, you know this, you've done so many different unique projects. And if you can't communicate what you're doing, whether it's to your team or to your external audiences, there's gonna be fragmentation or trust issues or whatever the case may be. And so a big part of my job now is making sure our team is communicated to because sharing the same story, understanding what we're trying to achieve, also being transparent, what's working, what's not working, where are we struggling, where are we succeeding, how can we all get in this together, um, I think is really important. And I forget where I heard this, but you'll, you'll like this. It, it, the term is MBA managing or MBWA managing business while walking around. And right now, obviously in a sort of virtual world, it's a little more difficult, but I would in the office, I get a coffee and I'd walk through the entire office, regardless if they're on my team or not and ask how their weekend went or how's your puppy doing? Or did you have fun with your mom while she was in town? The stuff that, and I see this even in marketing, but the stuff that has nothing to do with our business is the stuff that keeps people together. And when you have work cultures that don't look at people as human beings, 
you're completely missing that. And you're missing an opportunity to keep good people around because they're gonna go find a place that has that. When I say I see this in marketing, you know, we'll post on social media. Oh my gosh, I'll use you as an example. When you and Graham took your kiddos to the uh, final four for UVA and for basketball and Graham texted me that, that picture, I posted it on his Instagram forum and it blew up. You know, like it was a great, people commented, liked, I mean, they just went, they ate it up and then it had nothing to do with his wealth management or financial planning services for clients, you know, and, and our Texas team went to Walmart and grabbed a whole bunch of Christmas presents for underserved kiddos. And those posts just went crazy. And, you know, there's just a lot of things that are human elements that people forget. And I think if you're missing that as a leader, you should have a check-in on that. Yeah. I think Graham's social media is very interesting. That's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> I only speak to his LinkedIn account. <laughs> I'm always, I'm always jealous because I'm like, he has 400 followers. He got 500 likes. I don't understand the engagement numbers. Don't work. <laughs> oh, too funny. Yes, I love that guy. He's an enigma in many good ways. <laughs> that was a great story, though. I remember it was distinctly a Sunday afternoon. He yep. came back from golf. He said, "What do you think if we went?" UVA is in the finals. What do you think if we went tomorrow? And I was like, you're nuts. And he said, that's exactly right. This will be a memory of a lifetime. He said, well, when, Penn, when do you think Penn will ever get to the, you know, you know like, yeah. Yeah. Penn's never going to be there. This is our only chance. This is our so, one chance. This is our one chance. And so yeah, 6 AM we're on the plane heading to Minneapolis and the kids were so stoked. And we, I mean, it was crazy. The game was insane. The game was nuts. I remember that. And it then because nuts. of COVID, because there was no playoff last year, Graham's like two year running <laughs> ranking champions. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think it works like He's milking every second. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it really works like that. I'm glad you took advantage of that. That's that's those are the moments you gotta jump in on. Oh yeah. And the kids will remember that forever. Oh, and such a great story it's and those are the moments you need to take advantage of and was it crazy absolutely and uh but we are impetuous say, was like it worth that. it and you could say absolutely <laughs> totally worth it totally worth it has there been an aha moment for you in this past year i think you could just say the past year alone has been an aha moment um i think there's two thematic concepts i guess to that question and um, this one's a little more high level, but I've just been very conscious to be very grateful. You know, I think of all the people suffering, you know, and, and I just extra appreciative for my family for health. I mean, we, we can't do anything if we're not healthy and for my job, I mean, my job's gotten busier during all of this and nobody had any control, whether your job got busier or you don't have a job, you know? So, um, I just, I count my blessings a little extra every day since this all kind of went down. And, and I think more of a tangible theme is that change is inevitable. I am one that has just grabbed the bull by the horns and just said, I'm rolling with change <laughs> because you can fight it, but why fight when you just have to endure and get through it anyways? So, you know, I think of just take event planning from marketing perspective. I mean, we, we wanted to do virtual events down the road, but we were a couple years out from that, from not only our side, but from clients being into that. And we had to pivot in 48 hours to create an online event and figure that out. And, and if you are not primed for adaptation, you know, it's the natural selection, you know, Darwinism, I guess, but I've appreciated that or had an aha moment that that is, in my opinion, the right approach to you know, you can fight it all you want, but why fight when you know it's going to happen anyway? So just, just embrace it and adapt. And if you can be a, an adapter, you're going to succeed because it's, it's going to happen faster than those that fight it. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> had to learn how to shift. Yeah. And it's not comfortable and, and, and it's stressful and uh, you're going to hear a lot of things on the good and the bad side, because you're trying new stuff. So you just have to go with it and be kind to yourself in that process too. Mm -hmm. um, grace for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So my next question is typically teed up for someone who's 60, <laughs> 70 years old. I'm going to assume 
you are probably not even old enough to answer this question. (laughs) (laughs) What advice do you have for your 20 year old self? Sure. Well, I, I laugh because I already lose count. I think I'm, I'm 32. Okay. So the typical question is what's the advice for a 30 year old self? That's not going to work. So what's your advice for your 20 year old self, someone who's still in college and sort of looking around at what's going to happen post. Yeah, sure. It's, um, well, I laugh because I remember my mom saying, you know, middle school is the hardest years of your life. You'll be okay. I'm like, oh no, no, no. Your twenties are definitely the hardest decade. College is great. And well, and I know it's been difficult in the last year with COVID, but college is a very special time. It is a very protected world. It is tons of fun socially and you're, you're challenged mentally too. But when you leave college, it is a great open space that is not dictated by every four years of change from high school to college or school. That's that structure for you. So you have to create your own structure. Otherwise it can be, it's already challenging. And if you don't have those kind of guardrails, to kind of move you forward in the direction you're supposed to go. Um, so that was hard for me. I mean, the career part for me was very consistent, um, but I dedicated a lot of myself to that. And again, there was some luck involved with finding Beacon Point and, and where Beacon Point was going. So again, the stars kind of aligned for me and I'm very humbled and appreciative of that. It's not always the case, but you can still in your 20s push forward and create that, create some structure. And I remember writing my goals on a, you're going to think this is, this is college, like lined paper, you know, they used to take handwritten notes. And I stuck that on my, I had four goals and I stuck that on my mirror in my little apartment. And I looked at that every day. And I actually found that paper when I was 30, after I moved to like my other apartment and I had achieved all those goals, regardless of if you achieve them or not, you've created some sort of visionary structure for yourself. And I think that that's really helpful. I actually wrote this little blog post. I can share it with you, Mish, that I do. I share with all of my interns. You know, something else I think is more tangible if you're still in school and you have no idea what you want to do, take the GRE or the GMAT. It, the scores last for many years. Mm-hmm. And while a lot of these programs don't take kids fresh out of college anymore, which I think is great because you bring some life experience to your graduate school program. You can then focus on your application rather than having to reintegrate some of that test taking skill set. And I think that that was great advice that I I learned. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. And um, don't focus so much on what you're doing. Focus on who you're working with. My dad always said, you get paid an experience for the first five years out of school. And as frustrating as that is, he's completely right. I think that's really important to remember. That's a really, really good one. You get paid in experience your first five years. Yeah. It's a hard one to swallow, but it's, it's very true. Yeah. I remember my first job out. I made like 10 bucks an hour. I mean, (laughs) Ooh, those are tough days. Yes. Yes, they are. But they're meant to be tough because then when you, you know, when you really get there, you appreciate that hard work, you know, it's, it's part of that evolutionary process. Yeah. You figure out who you are. Yeah, Absolutely. And how far you can live on a cup of noodles. Grilled <laughs> cheese was my friend. Grilled <laughs> oh, cheese, yes. What's one thing you look for in a job candidate? Yeah, I'm very particular. Obviously, we don't we don't have a team of 10. You know, there's three of us working for five different business channels and 21 offices. So uh, the individuals I'm looking for have to be total team players, have to be able to multitask like nobody's business and have time management also like nobody's business and just be game for addressing stuff that comes up on the fly. You know, we're always moving. Um, some people that creates anxiety. Some people thrive on that. I say that while my job is no day is the same. Ironically, I'm such a structured person, but what we do every day varies dramatically because we're covering so many different projects so I think that's frankly a big part of why I've been able to stay at Beacon Point is I feel like my mind is always being challenged and I want to do that for the folks that come up below me or different generations per se, you know, that are looking for their value, their impact on what they're doing for the company and for the audiences. How do we make that tangible? So when I look at, you know, we look at resumes all the time there's so many wonderful, talented folks out there. I do want to see some sort of sports or travel or volunteer. 
I want to see a demonstration of people being outside of themselves in a very self-centered world. I want to understand that they can work for a team. They can be adaptable, you know, whether that's in sports or travel, your travel is uncomfortable in a great way. I wish everybody could travel because your eyes are open. I know Nisha, you're a big traveler too. Your eyes are open to different ways of living and different cultures and things are different from what you're used to. And if you enjoy that, I know that you're open-minded and can adapt in different situations. Sports is self-explanatory. You get it all in all of those environments. And volunteerism to me also is really important. I think that's very important as a cultural thing for Beacon Point. Giving back, there's a selfless element to that. So I like to see that um, as well, if, if that's possible. So overall, I'm looking for dynamicism. Like I'm, I'm looking for um, and then I tangibly ask questions about time management and tell me a time when you're multitasking and, and is that something you thrive off of? And, you know, those types of questions because we run fast and if you, if you can't sprint, mm-hmm. <laughs> it may not work out. So I want to know ahead of time if you, if you're a good runner or not. <laughs> I know there are some Saturdays where I just crack up because I'm like before seven, I have accomplished. Yeah, I can only imagine what you've already knocked so, out. Seven I know, but there's some, well, some days I, you know, I'm not out of bed, but some days I'm like, wow, I can't, if I, I, I can't even believe it's only seven o'clock. I've gotten so much done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are the types of people that you want around you, because like you said, when push comes to shove and you're really in crisis mode or you're in pressure mode to get a project out the door, you need to make sure that people are calm. They're able to communicate. Yeah. They can juggle a million tasks and, you know, do it with a smile and do it and have grace for themselves and for each other. Exactly. Exactly. And I love creating that team camaraderie. You know, if, if I'm in a pinch, can you help me out? Sure. Of course, you know, and vice versa. And giving credit where credit is due, you know, just because it's my department doesn't mean it's my success. You know, I, I try and give credit where credit is due because, you know, I, I want our team to run with things and be proud of what they're putting together. And we all benefit whether one of us is the executor of the project or not, you know? So, um, it's, it's important to, to seek those types of individuals. I think also something that's really interesting that Beacon Point does, we're a little slower when it comes to hiring. So, you know, there's risk of losing out on good candidates if they're eager beavers and they get snatched up somewhere else. But I, the, the pro side of that is we have them meet with people all across headquarters, not in our departments, men and women, because we want to get a feel of who they are as people. I can train somebody you know, we all can train somebody if they have the right people parts, you know, that you're looking for the characters, uh, the character building behind that, the integrity, the, what are they all about in terms of why do they get up every morning? What, what makes them tick, you know? So having them meet with different folks and different personalities at Beacon Point is important and getting their honest, just what's your vibe? You know, it's very qualitative, but it's, it's important. Yeah. You mentioned something. I'm going to actually tie back to something you had brought up earlier because you say you do a lot of communicating, you know, outside the organization, but also within the organization. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also really important for building a strong culture is celebrating the successes within the organization, especially Mm -hmm. now you have 21, 22 offices, you have exploded in growth, you're going to continue to grow. And being able to share the successes that are happening within the small office in, you know, wherever it may be with Mm -hmm. the rest of the organization really helps to broaden the knowledge base, be able to celebrate for each other, build that team spirit because you're all working disparately right now. Um, I think that's a really important piece. And I like how you said that you really drill into how, you know, the time management questions tell me about how you juggle a million things to really get to the essence of who that person is. Absolutely. And you're going to laugh at this metaphor, but I feel like I'm the mom now telling everybody like what to do, you know, like at headquarters, like the strategic platform, we're obviously with the feedback of everybody in the field, like we develop what we need to develop to support our team, but it resonates so much more when it comes from your peer. So, you know, say it's one of your kiddos friends telling him something and he's going to listen to it probably more than yeah. mom, you know? Yeah. And yeah. They try food at other people's house that they yes, wouldn't Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. so to hear an advisor success story in our Philadelphia office that may resonate with 
our Dallas office, you know, to be able to, and because they're boots on the ground, they're the same mm. perspective. I think sharing those different perspectives so people can tap into that depending on their perspective is really important and seeing it from other sides of things too, instead of just mom telling it all the time, you know, look at this great idea, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, no, want the, you want the user generated content, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Is there something that you've learned from one of your mentors that has really stuck with you? Yeah. And this is going to kind of be relatively fluffy, but it comes from somebody who is my goodness, just so I have, I'm at a loss for words. Lou Hoyt is an incredible mentor of mine. And he is a, I met him through my dad. He's Navy top gun has some, some of his story is involved with that. And he's survived throat cancer. He's gone through all these life altering experiences, both hardships and you know, positivity. And he is so positive. Everything he just wakes up and every day is a, is a blessing. I think of like when your dog wakes up and it's just, it's a new day and the tail's wagging all the time, you know? Right. And I choose to try and live a life with a glass half full. It's really easy to be negative. And I think that even in a situation that is negative, there is always an upside, a silver lining. And sometimes you have to look for it. Sometimes it takes a while for it to appear, but if you can just keep that faith of positivity, it plays a role in your life and, and, and the people that you interact with. And I think frankly, what comes down the road for you too, I've learned that through him. He's just an incredible man, done some amazing things, is the most humble human being I've ever met. And he has that puppy dog tail wag every morning for every day. And I think there's something to be said for that. Awesome. Yeah. I, I believe he was at your wedding, wasn't he? He was at our, yeah. Uh-huh. I remember meeting him. He is yeah. an incredible man. He actually took time to chat with us and I thought, wow, this guy, you know, we don't know him at all. And he spent like 10 minutes chatting with us. And I remember he was really positive. What a great guy. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So what advice, you know, you're a really, really young CMO. You're 32 years old. And it's not a tiny company. So it's not one of these tech startups where everyone has a C-suite, you know, title. <laughs> what is your advice for someone who's trying to either bust into the C-suite or bust onto a board? Yeah, you need to be your own first mover. I can think of many projects along the way that allowed me to get in front of the folks with the powers that be, if you will. Um, but no one asked me to do them. I just did them myself as an intern. I, you know, I was a cold calling on the institutional side, but I just saw presentations come by my desk. I was like, I can make these so much better. So I just, on my own time, redid the PowerPoint presentations and brought them to the consultants and said, what do you think about this? And, and they loved them. And then I decided to create brochures because we didn't even have brochures back in the day and just create a general marketing structure that no one asked me to do. I just did it you know, that kind of gave them an awakening of, oh, maybe, maybe she's got something here. Plus we were growing at the time that we needed more of that to support our team. Another example recently, gosh, two years ago, it was a year before COVID, our headquarters was in need of a renovation. I had never done a TI product before. I have never, I, my family's in real estate development investment, but I have never been in that industry technically. And I just grabbed that by I, Graham was sort of involved with it too and asked him about this, but I just took it and ran with it and said, I'll take care of this. I love interior design. If I was doing something on, you know, if there was more hours in a day, that's something that I would do. But I mean, this was tearing out walls. This is, I mean, this is a full gut of the whole place and plans and you name it, electrical, everything. So um, on top of our marketing full-time <laughs> That, that played a big role in how the rest of the corporate leadership team saw me. I mean, that has nothing to do with marketing, but I just grabbed it and did it. I think if you want to be noticed, you need to go above and beyond what you're expected to do. It's very simple. I mean, put a sports analogy to it. Okay, you're great at your role, but then do you stay after and help clean up the water? Do you undo the volleyball net? Do you collect the balls? Like, how can you, do you stay late at video and you know, look at different plays that might work against the opponent. Like going the extra mile is really a way to do that. Now it's hard in COVID. I think about this and I think we probably will talk about this down the road, but 
for folks new to a team that are starting in an online environment, you are isolated. I mean, I, I'm in the office a couple of days a week, so I see everybody, but for somebody new that doesn't know everybody on the team, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to get in front of people. So I empathize that this is, this is a longer term situation for companies and for career pathing for young individuals. I don't yet have a solution because I haven't really been able to give it a ton of thought, but I just am very aware that this is a different dynamic that we're all going to have to work through. Um, because when you're present and you're in meetings and you're in the, in the conference room and you're seen presenting, you know, there's, there's different ways to go about that. Um, another example, I remember on our institutional side, we were looking to develop our business a bit more and I did a full R and D project basically on the, the funnel pipeline. How many, in order to get how many clients, how many presentations do we need and what, how many RFPs, and then therefore how many leads do we need and how are we going to get those leads and presented that to the board just because no one asked me to do it through those examples. It's knowing when to stay in your lane is important, but then also knowing when to get out of it and help and make yourself present is really important. Um, in terms of getting onto a board, I think of that more in like a leadership community aspect, you, you have to start somewhere. So if there's a particular board that you're interested in, it may be a, a bit of time before you get to that board. Uh, you know, get involved. I worked with the financial uh, literacy program for UCI through the Center for Investment Wealth Management and sat on their committee for, gosh, four or five years. Met incredible people and your networks are expanded by getting involved and you'll get there by getting those experiences and integrating the community and meeting new people. I think it's classic networking 101. <laughs> right. Fantastic. Thank you. Segwaying in from what you were just talking about with COVID, what are some of the long-term long-lasting effects you see of what we've just been through? Yeah, I, I, I'll break it up into a pro and a con, if you will. I'll start with a con. I do think that the culture experience is different. It's bifurcated. For those of us that were in the office before all of this and knew everybody, it really isn't that big of a deal now that we're used to the virtual environment. Of course, it was a change for all of us, but I mean, I know you, Mish, so seeing you on Zoom feels like I'm sitting with you somewhere at a coffee shop. You know, it's where if I'm a new employee talking to you for the first time, it's not the same connection, you know? And I, my team, you know, we've had a new team member join since just a couple months ago. So this is a real thing for us. And we, we talk through it and we try, you know, and she's in a different state. So we're, we're trying to make sure she feels integrated and feels that energy that we feel because we know everybody. It's not a perfect science. I don't know if there's a solution out there that everybody's still trying to figure out, but it's not like you can just go to happy hour on a Tuesday and, and just team bond when you can. And who wants to make people go on another happy hour Zoom meeting, you know, poke her eyeballs out. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, there's a different experience there. I'm very aware of it. And I just try and stay connected where we can. Um, it takes both parties, you know, both sides of that table have to be really integrated. I think career pathing is also harder because you're not in front of the people that need to see you um, as often as you can. So I think that's more on the employee side of finding ways to get involved, put meetings on calendars of, with team members that you haven't met seek them out, ask what they do, ask where you can help, mm-hmm. you know, get involved. You can still be involved. Even if you're not in person is basically the moral of that story. The pro is I think it's work-life integration, kind of what we were chatting about earlier. You know, I, I've got a load of laundry going on right now, you know, multitasking at its finest. So I think for women too, and again, I'm stereotyping because, you know, dads are just as important. And, and a lot of dads are helping out with, with kids these days. So regardless if it's male or female, I think the pro is your life and your work become one in a healthy manner where you're still creating a mental break from both, but that they, they're synergistic. And, um, I think that that helps for continuity for companies. I also think that just health for people is better because you can multitask. Now on the flip side, you have to have discipline to be able to not be working 24 seven from home, because that is a struggle for me when I can see my couch over there, but my computer is just like 10 steps away. I might as well just go on and, you know, it's nine o'clock at night and knock a few things out. You really have to have the discipline to maintain that integration at a healthy level. Thank you for that. I think that's an interesting perspective and to hear it from you is really interesting because I, you know, I see, I see both sides of it for sure. 
Yeah. It'll probably take a lot of time, a lot of thinking, and hopefully we can get back into the offices, you know, reading more and more. The non-tech companies seem to be willing to go back now that yeah. people are vaccinated and whatnot. So yeah, we're we're getting back in the rotation. I, you know, we talk about this as a leadership team. How do we see this evolving? Um, and I think uh for lack of a better word, the hoteling type of environment, but more of a, a rotation type environment so that we maintain that culture, but also that flexibility for people. And it, we, you know, you do miss some of those offline conversations or those side conversations where great ideas come about when you're sitting together in a conference room and there's a little downtime or the team lunches in the kitchen or, you know, just those, those kinds of things that again, have nothing to do with your job, but are really important to your work. So I can see a lot of companies, if I had to put a guess on it, would would at least start doing that quite a bit. You also think about the cost play here. I mean, you don't have to get more real estate space if you're doing a rotation environment as quickly as you would normally if you're if you're a growing firm. So I just think about the macroeconomic implications of that too. Um, but you know, companies like Deloitte already do this kind of rotation, whether you're sharing offices or sharing communal space, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It, it certainly will. Yeah. All right. We're going to move into the virtual insanity rapid fire. You ready? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Favorite leadership and or business book. I have to say, I think it's the splendid and the vile. Uh, it's all about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill is one of, I admire that man. Um, incredibly so. I think he's a true leader in every way. I've read a lot of World War II books, and this is actually one of my more recent ones, but it goes into just this year of his leadership in World War II, and you're living as if you're him and having to make these decisions, and you have this just mad respect for his confidence, his pure devotion to succeeding, you know, it was and, and through his leadership. So I, I really think that that is a great book for people to read if they want to be inspired. Awesome. Favorite pastime? I am a huge horse fanatic. I know that sounds, I, I, you know, people expect me to say volleyball. Volleyball is great. Love sand volleyball. But where I am in my happy place is horseback in a saddle. So um, anything with horses, sign me up. <laughs> That sounds amazing. If I weren't allergic, I would be there with you. I know, my gosh. <laughs> you're, but you, you're not allergic to goats or anything, right? It's all different. Like I've seen you guys with all your animals and. Yeah, not allergic to goats, but definitely oh. allergic to horses. But I wasn't oh. sure. I was like tentative, you know, around the goats, but it was fine. Yeah, yeah had to do outside. I'm a big outdoor. I love fly fishing. I love snowboarding. I, I, hiking to some degree. I just, anything outside, fresh air is is my happy place. <laughs> well, we're in the right place for that. We've been able to do that year round, which is I know, awesome. Very lucky. Yes. So if you had an entire day with no meetings, would it be something outside? Yes, it totally would be. It would definitely be a trail ride with my dad or my husband or my sister. I'd love to get a massage. <laughs> a good spa day every now and then uh, is definitely a treat. So if I, if I had a free day, sign me up for anything outside. Good for the soul. Yes. Um, what magazines or books do you have on your nightstand? I think magazines are very telling. So let's go with magazines. What magazines do you have on your nightstand? If you have any, gosh, I mean, they're all like design magazines. Okay. I, I, I am looking over to my coffee table. They're all home design or home decor. I, I love that. And also landscape design. Gosh, the books. I mean, the Splendid the Vile is still on my bedside. I love the Alice network. The Giver of Stars is an incredible okay. book. It was basically trying to spread libraries uh, to rural places in Kentucky. Um, and women would bring books to these rural families by horseback, very rough terrain to try and promote education and, and literacy. They were brave. This is when women weren't really expected to do anything besides keep a home. So <laughs> true story. It's, it's, really, it's really inspiring and um, action-packed. Yeah, fantastic. Favorite vacation spot? Oh, I've been so blessed to be able to travel. My parents took my sister and I around the world as kids. So this list could be very long, but I try and give you three different kinds of places. Idaho takes the cake if I had to just, again, the outdoors, the just the fresh air. Who doesn't want to go to Italy anytime that they get a chance? <laughs> Wine country, sign me up. Food, pasta. Um, and then Baja California, that's always just an, being in Southern California. It's a very close staple feel 
far away, but still close to home. Ah, those are great. And then we'll end with a favorite quote. Is it a Churchill quote? I'm curious. Um, it's actually an FDR quote. Um, only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That is a really, really strong ending. Thank you so much, Allie. Um, this has been tons of fun. It's super fun. I'm so glad to be able to get to know you a little bit better and to share your amazing self with uh, my audience on Mentor DNA. So thank you. <laughs> I'm really excited to hear the rest of your episodes. I think what you put together is a gift. This is the Mentor DNA podcast, and I appreciate you tuning in. Please visit mentordna.io for more info on my friends and musings I have from our conversations. Stay tuned for another great episode next week. Talk to you soon. Amor Boutique Hotel is a special place my family and friends love to visit in Sayulita, Mexico. A quick and safe 35-minute shuttle from Puerto Vallarta, and you're on the beach enjoying the most quaint and uniquely designed resort. The first minute I walk into our villa and take in the gorgeous decor featuring antique wooden doors and windows, Turkish lamps, and artisan-crafted mosaic floors and ceilings, I immediately feel myself relax to take in Amour Boutique's beauty. This hidden spot has drawn surfers, deep-sea, and spearfishing lovers for decades. The expansive ocean views and five-minute walk into town for an authentic Mexican village filled with exquisite foods and shopping make it really hard to leave. Visit AmorBoutiqueHotel.com and tell them Mentor DNA sent ya.